faith centers around the person of Jesus Christ. We believe him to be the son of God. In the midst of life, purpose, mission, and everyday living, he is our strength. He is our source. And we trust in him. We trust him no matter what goes on around us. Signs in the world would lead towards chaos. A lot of folks, a lot of folks wondering what tomorrow is going to hold. I noticed the other day the atomic scientists who keep track of the doomsday clock, so to speak, as they call it. They've been doing that since 1947. It says we're 100 seconds away from doomsday. But let me tell you something, no matter what happens in this life or in this world, I have a settled peace in my heart. I have peace this morning as we are in worship together. I trust in the words of God, the presence of God. See, it goes beyond a religion. I can sense him. I feel him. See, breathes on my soul this morning. As we sang that song earlier, all is well. No matter what fire is around me or water flooding, no matter what trial or trouble, you can have that same confidence this morning. God is speaking through this pandemic crisis. He is revealing his love and his power in our lives. He wants to touch his church, his people, his world. You know, when, when I say God wants to touch his people, that's not just to exclude just us Christians. The Bible says, for God so loved the whole world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him. You don't have to be church of God. You don't have to be Baptist or Presbyterian. You don't have to be any particular church denomination or any philosophical idea in order to gain the love that God has you just got to be alive you just got to be breathing and if you're breathing right now God loves you if you're watching right now God loves you in Mexico if you're watching God loves you in Belgium Sister Kathy Swift, I see this note from Kathy, our missionaries to Eastern and Western Europe. She sent word that the New Jerusalem church there in Brussels where I've been and preached, Sister Mutabelli had passed away and they have five key leaders in Belgium in the church of God who have passed away due to the coronavirus threat and pandemic. We're praying for you. We're lifting you up. 
We're lifting up Chris and Kathy as they watch every week. They're part of our church family. We honor your work in missions all around the world, in Africa, in Europe, the way you love people and children. Training is a big part of what you do. We're praying for you. We know the burden is heavy. We're keeping you in our thoughts and prayers. And Todd and Rhonda down in Paraguay, we're praying for you today. We know you're watching. We know that you're ministering to people. You've left the comforts and the security of, of Middletown. You're there in Paraguay ministering to people because you're called to love them. It's the love of God that is put in our hearts, that's shed abroad to the whole world. We honor the work that God is doing around the world. He loves his people. There's a word that I believe that the Lord has for us today. I'm going to read from the Old Testament and then the New Testament. I'm going to get right into it this morning. We're going to read from the book of Isaiah. I believe this is a word for us as we are are marching through this time of pandemic crisis. And then we're going to look at the Great Commission, Matthew chapter 28, because that is ultimately the the driving force of the church in the modern day. You wanna know what is the purpose of the church? Well, Jesus left strict instructions in Matthew chapter 28, beginning with verse 18, there to the end of that chapter. He gives us instructions on who we're to be and what our purpose is supposed to be in the earth. He wants us to work diligently for the great commission of God. All of this from the Old Testament to the New Testament, it screams wake up call. It screams great exchange, it screams to us. There is a great awakening that's coming all throughout history. The pattern of God is that this situation we're in now, if it's reflective of the patterns we've seen all throughout the Old and the New Testament, God is getting ready to do something extraordinary. I want to be a part of it. I see it already. It's happening all around the world. We're a few days past Easter. It was a few days past Easter when Jesus met with his disciples and he gave them the instruction that we're going to talk about today. The message entitled Christians in Quarantine. And I know you've just about had it. You're just about completely over it. And as we're praying for a swift end Uh, even perhaps uh, praying for our authorities that they would come up with a new plan as we are getting to the place where we're we're just about at the end of it. But I see where Terry Norville, she wrote in Facebook, you know, he is the God of the in-between and quoting what we had talked about earlier. And that is the truth for us today. God is in between from the time of our crisis to our victory. The triumph is ours. We know that through the promises of God. We declare the promises of God today. And as we declare the promises of God, we prophesy our future. Let me say that again. As you declare the promises of God over your family, over your life, over your finances, over all that you're going through, as you declare the promises of God, you're prophesying your future We're about to experience one of the greatest awakenings and revivals that the world has ever seen. I'm calling it, in my own heart, the great exchange. I'm sorry, I wish we could go back. Some folks want to go back to the way things were three months ago, two months ago. We can't do that. That's going to be an impossible thing. I don't see where that's going to be something that God is going to allow for us. We're not the church of 2019 any longer. We're a new church. We're a renewed church, if you will, of 2020. We can't go back. 
We're learning too much about who we are, what we can do, what our purposes are, what our priorities should be. This has been a time over the last several weeks, more particularly where we are examining, evaluating our ministries, our attitudes. What are we going to relaunch when we get back together or what will we not relaunch? During quarantine, the question I have for ministries in our church is simply this. In the six to seven weeks of unprecedented pandemic lockdown, quarantine and isolation, in these seven weeks, if a ministry out of our church has not felt any need to persevere or to find a way to minister and to serve and to meet the needs of people, if they've not found an intentional way of still giving glory and honor to God and being used, then my question is, why have that ministry? If in these seven weeks the ministry has not been missed, then what does that say about that ministry? The key word for us today is wake up, wake up. The key word for us about a new dynamic and a new dimension, it's a new world. We don't need a new word, we need to return to the original word of God. A new revelation about a return to the great commission. Return to what Jesus set up in the first, first day of the birth of the church. The season of quarantine has been a modern day sign of biblical proportions, but I believe it's woke up a sleeping giant, the church. And I think we're going to see the greatest triumph that we've ever seen in biblical times. I believe we're going to see something unprecedented as we now are connected to revelation. And I believe someone said the other day, is this all connected to revelation? Of course it is, everything's connected to revelation. But we must, in this hour, reevaluate, reanalyze, re-streamline, and prioritize, and then relaunch. Because this quarantine is sounding an alarm, not only to the church, but to the world. It's a wake-up call, a siren, a whistle, if you will. I found a story that was interesting. In 1957, in eastern Oklahoma, right in the middle of nowhere, a train is running across the country. It was about 6 a.m. when suddenly this train coming in to a little village in Oklahoma in the middle of nowhere started blasting his whistle. Over and over again, he kept blasting the whistle until the entire town was woke up. People came out of their homes. They were enraged and angry at this train, this engineer who was blowing this whistle so early in the morning on Saturday until, until they saw the tornado coming. At 6.04, a tornado hit that little town and destroyed all of it, but not one life was taken, all because this engineer woke everyone up. I believe that we are looking into the word of God this morning for a word from his, from his promises that give us the sounding alarm to wake up to be awake. Isaiah 52 and verse one says it best. Isaiah was talking to the church. He was talking to the, the, the church that had become callous and cold and indifferent. They had become lost in their ways and they had gotten off track. And he spoke these words as an indictment against them, but a word from the Lord. He says, awake, awake, put on your strength, O Zion. Put on your beautiful garments, O Jerusalem the holy city, 
for the uncircumcised and the unclean shall no longer come to you. Shake yourself from the dust. Arise, sit down, O Jerusalem. Loose yourselves from the bonds of your neck, O captive daughter of Zion. And when you jump a couple of chapters up to verse chapter 60, verse 1, you see he says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people, but the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. Heaven is sounding an alarm. The scripture we read was presenting a pretty sad picture of what the church had become, if you would. I know many of you have been posting pictures while you've been home in lockdown. You've remodeled and you've changed and redecorated different things. And I noticed we put a before picture and an after picture. And we like to look at those and see the difference and the change. I'm believing that the church before this pandemic crisis hit two months ago, I'm believing that the church that we were in 2019 will not be the church that we are in 2020. I'm believing that there's a before picture, a before picture that might've been a little sad. It might've shown a church that was weak and weary. It might've shown a church that wasn't really on track and on focus with what the purpose and mentality of the church was set out in the word of God. It may be that we lost our way a little bit. That's exactly what was happening in this picture that Isaiah is painting. He is talking to us about Zion. Zion is presented in Israel as the people of God throughout every generation. We are part of Zion today. We're part of the church, the people of God. Mount Zion was on the hilltop there in Jerusalem where the Temple Mount is today, much like we'll say Washington and we'll talk and we'll refer to Washington as the central area, the headquarters, if you will, of America. So was Zion, the headquarters of, for God's people. But the picture that Isaiah paints prior to this chapter 52 is the daughter of Zion who once was this perfect and beautiful lady who had given birth to many sons, symbolically referring to the fact that she was the very sparkle of God's eye. She was the chosen of the Lord. She had been called and purposed to do a mighty work throughout all of the earth. But now suddenly she's laying in dust and bondage. She's enslaved, she's chained up and she's been abused. Her clothes are torn and dirty. There's a chain, the Bible says, around her neck as her enemies stand by mocking her God, blaspheming her God telling her that there's no hope for her and her God. She was beaten down once who was such a beauty is no longer. No one would fight for her. No one would sacrifice for her. She had longed for the golden days, but now she was disgraced. But in the middle of what was meant to be a tragedy, in the middle of what was meant to be a hopeless end, God sent a word through the prophet Isaiah saying, awake, Awake, rise up, daughter of Judah. Rise up, daughter of Zion. He has a deliverance for you. He'll remove the chains. He'll remove the heartache and the despair. Oh, God wants to send a revival. God wants to send an exchange for the chains. He wants to bring a hallelujah, a triumph for the tragedy. He wants to touch our lives. Awake, awake, put on your strength, oh, Zion. Put on your beautiful garments. Shake yourself from the dusk. Let me tell you something. God has always 
had a people all the way down through generations. I'm reminded this week over and over again that God is not panicked. He is not shocked. He is not sitting back in surprise, wondering what's going on. We've got to have the mind of God, the mind of Christ, as we continue every day to not allow ourselves to fall into the panic and to fall into the stress and to fall into the trouble and the rebellion that I even see in so many people around us. We are the people of an of an almighty God. We are a people who should be at rest in our spirits. Though we go through the fire, though we go through the flood, we will not fear. The fire will not kindle upon us because we can't be touched. We belong to God. They destroy the body, but we cannot, they cannot touch the soul. We believe, we belong to God. So we've got to make a decision afresh and brand new today that we are all in God. We're all in on whatever you've got planned, whatever you, you're doing. And let me tell you, God always had a plan. I loved when I read in Isaiah right there, when it was talking about, you know, he was pointing out that the sad picture of Jerusalem and saying, wake up, put on your strength, shake off the dust. He was giving them a warning ahead of time because God was getting ready to do something amazing. You say, well, what was God getting ready to do? for the people in Jerusalem at that time when Isaiah wrote those words. As I mentioned, they were, they were sold into slavery and the saddest part of that story is it says that they were sold into slavery by themselves. They sold themselves. Listen to what verse 52 and verse three says in Isaiah. It says, for thus says the Lord, you have sold yourselves for nothing. What? They had gotten so far away and it was by their own doing. It wasn't a slave trader or a kidnapper or it wasn't a betrayal. Somebody else who came along that put them in bondage or enslaved them, they allowed it to happen to themselves. And how many times have we sat in our own troubles and our own issues and our own areas of concern and we know it was our own doing, it was our own choices, it was our own fault. But God sends a word shake yourself. God sends a word, rise up, O daughter of Judah. Rise up, O daughter of Jerusalem. Rise up, Zion. Put on your strength. Amazing how God always is up to something, but he warns his people first. He lets us know that something is happening, something is stirring, something is moving. He was getting ready to move mightily. You say, how do you know? Read the very next chapter. We've been reading about the, the sad picture of Jerusalem, of God's people, Zion, in chapters 51 and 52. But when we get to 53, we see that God shook them, woke them, sent the alarm to wake them up so that he might prepare them for the extraordinary thing he was getting ready to do. He was getting ready to bring a mighty awakening to the world. Isaiah 53, the very next chapter, verse one. Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Then jump down to verse four. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions. 
He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. By his stripes we are healed. You see, God was waking the people up because he was getting ready, getting ready to do something amazing in the world. He was, getting, he was giving us hint. He was giving us a preview of what he was going to do when he sent his blessed son. There's going to be a great awakening again. There's going to yet be. If the Bible is true and we read in Joel chapter 2, verse 28, that in the last days the Lord will pour out his spirit upon all flesh, your sons and your daughters, they'll prophesy. If we believe the word of God about a great outpouring, then we must listen to the warning signs that are taking place now because he's getting ready to fulfill scripture in every aspect. He's been doing it. We've been in it. But we're fixing to come to the peak. We're fixing to come. The curve is fixing to change. The great exchange. So my heart, my cry to our church and to the church around the world is simply this. Joshua 24 and verse 13 God said, I have given you a land for which you did not labor, cities which you did not build, and you dwell in them. You eat of the vineyards and olive groves which you did not plant. Now, therefore, fear the Lord. Serve him in sincerity and in truth. And put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. And then Joshua went on to write. He said, and if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me, he says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We have to make up our minds today that no matter what we endure, we will persevere. No matter what we face, we will fight through to the very end. There's going to be a great exchange. And I'm gonna tell you something, this guy is gonna be right in the middle of it. I am ready for the words of Isaiah to come true. I'm ready to see the extraordinary that God is going to bring as he surely sent word to the Israelites there in Isaiah 52 and then in 53, let the cat out of the bag that he was bringing the Messiah to the earth. And a few hundred years later, that would be fulfilled. He called his disciples, Jesus came. The Messiah came, that wounded and bruised warrior, that savior came. He came, he lived, he died, he rose again. He walked out of the tomb and he set his church in order, called his disciples and he sent word through the great commission that we are to be called alongside of them to a major move of God around the world. He sent his son Jesus, but he sent so much more than that because as Jesus completed the mission, Calvary was complete. He was placed in an empty tomb. He went down into the portals of hell and brought back to us the keys to death, hell, and the grave, changed a renewed and lived, living way of serving God. From that moment forward, we would no longer need the sacrifices in the temple. We would no longer need the separation between us and the throne of God. Now our high priest was Jesus Christ. Now our high priest has torn away all the division and everything that separated us from our father. Now we can bo come boldly before the throne of grace. Now we have 
this Savior with us, but more than that, he said, I'm gonna go away. And when I go away, I'm going to send the Comforter, the Holy Spirit. We have not only the Father God and his great love for this earth, not only did he send his great son to live and breathe and purchase our salvation, bring redemption to us, our great Boaz, but he also sent to us the gift of his Holy Ghost down into our hearts to live in us, through us, and with us, doing the work of God in the earth, building the kingdom. The great commission, the great commission. Jesus spoke and saying unto them in Matthew 28 and 18, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. He was making a promise in this conversation with his disciples that he was going to be with them. He would ascend to the Father, but as he would ascend to the Father, sitting at the right hand, the Bible tells us that he would be the intercessor for us. He would constantly be with us. The Spirit of Christ would always be with us. He would never leave us would go with us to the end of the age. But if you jump into Acts chapter one, you see a continuation of that conversation. It wasn't a separate time. It's kind of like these cameras, these tech guys are working with us now. Sometimes you'll see me from this angle here and then they'll jump back and give us a close up just like that right there. They'll do different things and change it as we see but what you've got here in the scripture. Is it in Matthew? We see one angle of the picture, but then in Acts, we jump into the next chapter there written by Luke and we know that he's giving us another shot, another angle of that same conversation and listen, to what is said there, to whom he also presented himself, meaning Jesus, alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God and being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard me talk about. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? I can hardly believe it. I have to stop right there. They are missing the announcement that Jesus just made, missing the point altogether. He just tells them, as John truly baptized with water, you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from hence. Go and get together in Jerusalem. Don't leave there until you be endued with this power. And so, Lord, tell us, what's your plan? Are you going to build the kingdom and set up your throne? But he said to them, it is not for you to know the times of the season which the Father has put in his own authority. Then he gets back on point. He says, but you, you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And then after this, the Bible says he was taken up to the Father. They were left with the most amazing words of endowment and power. Words we need to hear again in the middle of pandemic crisis. Words we need to hold fast and cling to with all of our heart. Jesus gave them the great commission, go into all the world, teach them, show them, baptize them. And as you do that, for, go to Jerusalem, 
wait there until you're endued with power. See, here's your mission, go. Here's how, through the baptism of the Holy Spirit who's going to be in you. He's going to baptize you with fire. Can I just remind you this morning, you are not wayward souls wandering around in the wilderness. You are the son and the daughter of God Almighty, filled with the Holy Spirit of the Lord. You are empowered, endued for his power and service. You are absolutely qualified. You are absolutely empowered to do great and mighty things. God has his hand on your life, on your family, and he is working miracles in your midst. Here's the mission, go and tell, here's how, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And from that time to now, the church has gone through many ups and downs. We go through years and times and seasons where we get away from God and the picture of him and the word of God showing over and over again that when the people get into this sad place, when they get in this place where they're off track, he always sends a word, a warning, and then after the warning, a restoration, a reconciliation, and then after that, always follows an extraordinary move of God. We are already there. I believe we've received the crisis and we've received the warning, and now, children of God, it's time to shake ourselves. It's time to rise up. It's time to get excited about what God is getting ready to do. I'm telling you, there has already begun an awakening in 2020. It's not coming. It's already here. I believe with all my heart, doors are opening and doors are, are windows are opening of opportunity. And God is opening up places and in, in, in ministry in, in corners of the world that we never dreamed that we would be able to be a part of a, a part of it. When his History is written about this time, and believe me, it will. I remember where I was when the the 2000 uh, during 2000 during 9/11 in 2001. I remember where I was. We remember where we were when major major things happened in the world in history. I guarantee you the Corona virus epidemic, the pandemic crisis and the COVID-19 threat on the world when it shut down the world all the way from one, e one side of the globe all the way to the other. History will write about this time. It'll write about the, the, the economy. It'll write about all the businesses shut down. It'll write about all of the sickness and all of the death that we've seen. History books will add our stories to it and preachers will preach about it and Teachers will teach about this. The scientists, says they'll probably end up after this month, they'll probably change that atomic clock to a new reading. But all we do know is this, that in this time of crisis, the church will also be analyzed. The church will also be criticized and evaluated. And my heart today, as I cry out to you, is that we will, when it's all said and done, and they write in the history books, how did the church respond? What was the church's uh, what was their plan? How did they come through it? I want them to be able to say, oh, the church came through triumphantly. The church came through victoriously. I want the church to be described as beautiful for situation that we have been a part of a great outpouring and move and exchange. The church of yesterday was exchanged for the church that would usher in the soon return of Jesus Christ. I believe that we are about ready to see a mighty, mighty move of God and it's already started. But what will they say about your response? That's what's important all in. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. 
It's a song that we sing around here and I sing in worship a lot. It says, the mountains are still being moved. Strongholds are still being loosed. God, we believe, because yes, we can see it, that wonders are still what you do. Bodies are still being raised. Giants are still being slayed. We are here for you. Lord, come do what it is that you do. We set our hearts on you. Come and do what you do. We need a move. We need a move. And I'm believing and seeing that even as we're testifying this morning. I've already been seeing the powerful touch of God around the world. I hope in my prayer is that the church will be stronger. The church will get back return to its prayer meetings and its fastings and a love for the precious word of God, for a fresh and wonderful infilling of the Holy Ghost. I believe it and I'm even seeing it. We're seeing it already all around the world. I believe the church should not be discouraged this morning. We're the last ones that should be discouraged. We look to the hills from which cometh our help. We trust that we are part of the family of God. We seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and then all the things we need will be added to us. This is the hallmark. This is the in the identity of the church of the living God. Hey, we started out great. Everybody started out real wonderful. We are honoring our authorities. We're obeying the laws of the land. We're following through with social distancing. We're doing all these things we should do. We've stayed at home. We've separated ourselves from all the the parties and the gatherings. And now here we are coming to the close of it, coming to the end of it. And as we started great, I'm asking you church, let's finish even greater. Let's be bolder and greater and more transformed than we were before. Let's stay focused on the vision of 2020 for a great exchange, a great awakening. Let them say, yes, they were made to stay home. People were out and not allowed to be in their buildings, but somehow more were saved during the pandemic crisis than ever before. Listen, in the few minutes that I have left, I wanna share what God has been doing in your church. We've not been able to share some of these things, and I wanna testify to you about something I find to be absolutely a pure God thing in every way. I have something important and strategic that I wanna talk to you about for just a moment. Please don't be shallow enough to think that all of this is just about politics. Please go deeper. Don't think that all of this is just about the economy. Come on, launch out, go deeper. Listen to what the scripture in Revelation says to the church at Philadelphia, Revelation chapter three, verse seven. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, these things say, says he who is holy, he who is true, He who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens. Let me let that sink in for just a moment. These things says he who is holy, who is true, who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens. He goes on and says, I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door and no one can shut it. If you were here in the sanctuary right now, I'd say, won't you repeat that back with me? See, I have set before you an open door and no one can shut it. And no one can shut it. 
For you have a little strength. You've kept my word and have not denied my name. Indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet and to know that I have loved you, says the Lord. Because you have kept my command to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial, which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Listen, if you and I will do what's right during this pandemic crisis, if we'll persevere, if we'll not become carnal, let me tell you what God is doing. I had a gentleman just the other day who called me on the phone. He said, Pastor, I want you to send me the electric and gas bills for the church for the next three months. He said, I want to take care of that as a gift to the church. I was blown away by a testimony of God's provision. During this time of trial, during this time of trouble, you have kept my word, you have persevered. I will keep you in that hour of trial. We have in our church a wonderful family this last couple, of, it's been a couple of years now that they've come to be a part of our church family, the Lee family, Gary Lee Ministries. Gary Lee has a worldwide evangelistic ministry. He literally covers the entire world. And it's amazing what opportunities the Lord has given to him. They've, his family has become part of our church. And as they call Stratford Heights, their church family, we have also been able to, to uh, he's been aligning us alongside of their online services all around the world. And as we've done this, it's opened up doors. It's blessed in opportunities and in ways that I never would have dreamed that we could be a part of. Stratford Heights, listen, when the government shut our doors, listen to the testimony of what has taken place. In 2019, prior to the pandemic crisis, our average online attendance was 4,000. That was a great day. We celebrated the day that we had 4,000 watching for Easter Cantata online, not to mention the nearly 2,000 that were in the building. But we had all of these people watching online. We had, with the day that we had the blizzard, we had 4,500 people watching in that service online. We celebrated those things. The COVID-19 crisis has caused a stay-at-home order, a shut-the-door order, a no-more-than-ten-people order. You would almost cry out, Lord, what will the church do? The church has had to shut their doors. How are we going to survive? But I'll remind you again, because you've kept my command to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial, which shall come upon the whole world. When you do things right and you don't allow the carnality and the flesh to get in the way, if we will stay the course and fight the good fight, as Paul declared in his last day before he departed to the heavens, he said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. If you and I will do this right, God will keep us during this time, and he is. He will open doors, and he is. We're so excited that we used to, last year, we celebrated that over 200 people came to know the Lord in, in decision on Easter Sunday over the weekend. We were so thrilled with what happened from our cantata and from the services on Sunday, over 200 people. Boy, did we celebrate the people that came to know the Lord. We actually, at the end of the year in December, we came together and celebrated that over 800 people came to know the Lord in decision on the year for 2019, and boy, that was a great year. We celebrated 800 
people whose names were written in the Lamb's book of life. But I'll remind you, God opens doors that no man can shut. God has a plan that when the when the earth around us shuts us down, when the earth tries to silence us, when sickness and hurt and the trials and the troubles of this life and even the enemy himself tries to shut down the church, silence the, sh the church and shut the doors. Listen to what happened over the last couple of weeks. I went and confirmed this right before the service started this morning. In the last couple of weeks, because we have been brought into a new online audience and thank you for watching in Mexico and Central America and South America and all across the pond over in Australia and Japan and Europe. Thank you for watching in Canada. Thank you for all the people that are tuning in today from all over the United States and the world. We honor you and we thank you for joining us. But the greatest thing, it's not the numbers of you that are watching, although that is an amazing thing to us, a, a wonderful thing to us. But the most amazing thing is that in the last couple of weeks, ladies and gentlemen, Stratford, listen to me. We have been able to confirm and pray with over 2,000 people to accept Jesus Christ into their hearts and lives. It's amazing what God has done. We went from 4,000 who've been watching us on a week weekend online to now our viewership has exploded to 40 to 50 to 70,000 people in the service Thursday night I preached in the Stratford Heights Espanol ministry and as we did they confirmed to me just a few moments ago over 300,000 people witnessed that service on Thursday night. Let me tell you, there's not a door that'll be shut that God can't open. There's not an opportunity. You, if the government tries, if the world tries, if sickness tries, if they shut our doors, the gospel will still find a way to make its way into the world. And that is the praise worthy, common, wonderful promise of God Almighty to his people who will stay the course, who will not, not allow themselves to compromise. Let it be said in the history books that the pandemic crisis of 2020, the church was beautiful. The church was the daughter of Zion. The church was the bride of Christ. She was the mighty church of the living God. Doors are open. Doors are open. The gospel of Jesus is being preached around the world. Let me tell you something. Doors are fixing to open for you where you are. Doors are getting ready to open. They're already opening where you are. Opportunities, ministries. God is doing a great work and he wants to touch you this morning. There is no hopeless situation. There is, there is no closed door that God can't open. And I, I've said this last week, if, if a door is shut, God will open a new door or he'll open a window. No one can stop the work of God in the earth. If we will stay true to our God, if we will stay faithful to him, he said, go, go. Go into all the world. He wouldn't ask us to go and give us the power of his Holy Spirit within us if he wouldn't make that possible. You see, what we need to remember today is that we're not dependent on this building. 
We love this building and we cannot wait until we are united and back together in worship. I believe the celebration is going to be astronomical. Can't wait until ministries are relaunched because I believe now we'll have a, a truer conviction, a more determined purpose. Our intentionality will be holy and righteous as never before. But don't you worry if you're watching this online because I believe the church has become, and I heard it said this week by someone in leadership who said the church will now become hybrid. The church, not only will we gather and come back together as a family, but we also will spread our wings and we will go through every open window and open door that is given to us. We'll not go back to the way that we were. We won't go back to the way things went, you know, traditions and our rituals. We won't go back. We can't go back. I don't want to go back. I want to gather. I want to follow the tenets of Scripture. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, even the more so as you see the day of the Lord approaching. I want to continue to move forward and be the church of this community. But I also want to follow the admonition that he didn't baptize us with his Holy Ghost to just keep us in one little geographical place. He wants us to be used to spread the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ who comes to redeem a fallen man, who comes to bring salvation and eternal life, redemption. Hey, the, the, the power of God, the love of God, the gospel of Jesus is not about condemning a world. He said, I didn't come to condemn the world, but through Jesus that the world would be saved. He come to redeem, he come to ransom. He's captured my heart this morning as he captured yours. He wants to touch your life. He wants to turn things around. He wants to open your eyes. He wants faith to come alive inside of you. And that's not about signing on some dotted line for membership in a certain denomination. It's about allowing your name to be written in the Lamb's book of life. Life. He said the enemy comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Jesus loves you. Lord willing, next Sunday morning, we're planning a major drive-in service here for Mother's Day. We want you to come to church. But for those of you who can't, you're perhaps far away or you're not able to be here in the house on Mother's Day, in the parking lot anyway, in your car, we're gonna, we're gonna, make, we're gonna make it great. We're gonna put a big picture booth out there you can drive your car through it and all the pastors will get there with you and take Mother's Day pictures with you it's going to be a riot it's going to be awesome we're going to do everything we can to make it a very special day for moms until we're set free to meet please endure please go deeper allow the power and the presence of God to touch your family and your life I'm going to be praying with, with you in just a few moments. But I want to challenge you to the amazing truth of God's love. His great love, unconditional love. It's not about condemnation. It's not about you feeling like you're worthless and that there's no hope for you. 
It's about trusting and knowing that God made a way. Yes, man fell. Man, given their freedom to choose, walked from God. But God made a way back. That way was made by his son, Jesus Christ. And not only is Jesus with the church during pandemic crisis, but he sent his Holy Spirit to be with us too. So fear not. All is well. We have the power of God at work in our lives and the Father himself watching over his world, sending his angels, dispatching armies of angels right to your side, right where you are. You say, you really believe that? You better know I do. I believe it with all of my heart and I, I want you to become a follower of Jesus Christ. I want you to believe it. He's got peace for you. He's got peace right where you are. He's got joy unspeakable and full of glory. He has power, power to get through these trying times. As a Christian, as I mentioned earlier, it's a light at the end of the tunnel and it ain't a train. We are the light. Jesus is the light. Healing and deliverance and provision comes to the body of Christ. And it's not an exclusive club. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I make invitation to you all around the world to accept Jesus Christ into your heart. We're going to pray a prayer. This prayer is a prayer that, that just guides the prayer of your heart. We want you to accept him into your life, and we're just going to help you do that. It's not magic. The prayer isn't a formula. And if it isn't something that comes from your heart, from inside, deep inside you, then it won't do any good. It's about you closing your eyes to the world around you, looking deep inside of your heart and saying, okay, I don't have all the answers. I don't have it all figured out. And Lord knows what I've done up this far has not worked. So I'm just going to trust you and believe. The Bible says if a man or a woman believes in their heart that Jesus is the Son of God, that's your your first step. That's that step of faith. If you believe it, you confess him with your mouth or confess him with your life. Make a declaration. The Bible says that you're saved. You're part of the family of God. Adopted. Engrafted, the Bible says, into the vine. And we want to celebrate with you. If you accept him into your heart today, I want you to, in that comment section there, I want you to just say, I prayed, I I accepted Christ. Let us know so we can pray with you. But we're going to pray right now this prayer and ask the Lord into your heart. Let's pray together. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. You are the Son of God. You came and you died on the cross. You rose from the dead. You walked out of the tomb. Now be Lord of my life. You purchased my salvation with your blood. I pray that my life will now reflect your praise, your glory. Be Lord of my heart. And I pray all of this now 
trusting in your word that if I believe and I confess you, I'm saved. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God for that. That's one of the greatest joys for a pastor. But now I want to pray a closing prayer as the team gets ready to lead us in one more song of worship. I want to pray a prayer for our our church family all around the world. I'm praying that God will touch you and minister to you, that he will help you to endure, to persevere. Because when you and I persevere, when we keep the word, like Paul, fight the good fight, finish the race, keep the faith, we'll do that during this time of crisis and we won't detour, we won't look to the left and right, we won't fall by the wayside, we won't get lost in the pandemic crisis, but we'll stay true that we are the sons and the daughters of God. We stay true to that. Then he promises he'll open doors no man can shut. He'll shut doors no man can open. God's got your back. God's got your back. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray over our church family. I lift them up to you, God, and I just pray that in the name of Jesus, that you would touch them, minister healing and provision. Lord, give them hope. Let them feel the light of your grace and your love. You said your word was a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. Give the promises of your word. We declare the promises of God, which is us prophesying over our future. I pray, God, that we'll start declaring that you are the God who keeps us, that guides us, that that heals us, that provides for us. You're the God of all comfort. You're the God of peace and joy and love. You're the God who takes care of us. You, You take care of our children, Lord, when we give them to you and dedicate them to you, Lord. We have promises in your word. We can call upon you. Oh, Lord, there's no hopeless situation with you. There's no dire circumstance. There's no such thing as despair. No way, not when it comes to our faith, our confidence in an almighty God. You are on the throne. You've not taken away a vacation. You've not taken a a time away. You are still in charge. You are sovereign and you are the king of all kings, the Lord of all lords. And there is no authority over top of you. We thank you that you will guide and you will direct our government leaders, our state leaders. Help them, God, to follow the plan that is correct and right in your mind and in your heart. Let your ways be our ways. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray these things. I praise you and I thank you. I feel the church is empowered. I feel those watching are receiving that strength. I feel like children are, the joy of the Lord is coming back. Mom, dad, the joy of the Lord will be your strength. I feel the power and the presence of God is working in your midst, right where you are. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we give you the glory. We give you the honor. We give you all the praise. Everyone together said, amen, amen. God bless you. We love you. We love you. Six feet away. We love you. We miss you so much. Hope to see you in the parking lot on Mother's Day. Come be with us. And if you can't be with us here, be with us right here online. God bless you. We love you. Bye, Stratford.